This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For your free trial, plus 10% off anything you buy, please visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Merlin, man. I'm, I'm self-conscious. Why are you self-conscious? Oh, God. No one cares, but I've got a different microphone, and it's making me self-conscious. It sounds good. You notice a difference? Yeah, it's clearer. I think it makes me sound old. You think it's a, it's a, it ad, adds a few years to your voice? No, I'm worried that it's accurate. <laughs> adds, adds a few pounds? No, I'm worried that this is actually what I sound like. Oh, I haven't, I, haven't, you, I haven't smoked in a really long time, but I sound a little bit like I've got some some filterless camels in my throat. Yeah, you've got a little Joan Rivers yeah. going. I try not um, to talk as much. I like to save my instrument, you know. Uh, um, you, th- you thought the old microphone kind of concealed that a little bit? Hmm, the mic I had before, this is really super interesting stuff. Mm-hmm, uh, I like it. As inside baseball, as they say. Uh, the mm-hmm. old one is a workhorse, the, uh, the Rode Podcaster. You know, it's like the... Oh, uh, yeah, right, plug and play. Yeah, it's like the SM57 of podcast mics. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. That's like saying the YouTube of videos. <laughs> but it, uh, but uh, this one, i, I got to be careful because of my, my plosives, I think. Yeah. Is that a, t- yeah, is that a thing, got... plosives? Plosives is a thing. How did you, you... Learn, how did you learn to use a mic? Hmm, uh, the hard way, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you can tell a singer that doesn't know how to use a microphone... And you can really tell a singer that does know how to use a microphone. And sometimes you get a guy, you know, or a gal will be a singer for for years and never really figure out mic technique. Mm-hmm. But because I was a guitar player, right? I had to, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have the option of like a lot of mic shenanigans. And you, you know, it's one of those things where, at least while you're still just getting proficiency at all of the different pieces. There's so many, I, you probably never got this, but I just remember feeling like I had so many different things to do at once. Mm-hmm. I had to like, remember you only play it twice. This part, you got to play the guitar. You got to make sure to turn your volume down on this part. You know, the pedals mm-hmm. don't even get me started on the pedals. A lot of pedals, a lot of pedal work. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, you have to remind yourself if you're the singer to, Oh, right. Also inhabit the emotion of the song and present it to the audience in a compelling way. You got to be the uh, DLR out there. You got to really bring, the, bring <laughs> the emotion to the people. <laughs> and Whoa! then once you start doing that, you forget all, you forgot to do the volume, you forgot to do the pedal, you forgot to even which chord was the right chord. It's a lot of, it's a, it's a real juggling act. Hi, welcome back to Mike Talk. <laughs> I think it's picking up the streetcar extra well. This is nice. That's good. Yeah, no. So what kind of, if, we, if, you, if you don't mind saying, what kind of mic is your I would be mic? happy to say. Um, uh, before I was using the Rode Podcaster, which I'll yep. obviously still keep around because you, you, it's kind of idiot proof. The nice yeah, thing about good. the Rode. It's is, good for podcasting. It says it right in the name. Yeah, you know what? It's true. And mm-hmm. it's got one of those funny Swedish shows, so you know it must be good. <sighs> Dude. Someone uh, on the internet who's a nice person, Ira Carey Blanco, sent me. He works at a place called Samson. It's a Samson C01U Pro. Oh, nice. I think they could have gotten a better name for it, but that's. C01, well, the C, the, for the tech nerd engineer types that buy microphones, that's, that's just like calling it the, the rose petal. 
<laughs> that it could be. That could also be like the name of an Android phone, though. Mm. Oh, Android phone. Android phone. <sighs> anyway, it's nice. What do you use? You use a you use a Snowball. What do you use? No, no. You've got one no. of those sure one of those Jesse Jesse Thorne looking ones, like you're a crooner. <laughs> You got a ribbon I mic? I don't use a podcasting mic. <laughs> You're a professional. God. Oh my God. I, I can't use, believe I said, I'm going to cut that out. I feel really bad that I even I, said that. I use an SM7, the great, the greatest of all microphones. Is that the one with the big poofy thing? You got two different covers? I think I have one of those. It's got a poofy thing. If you have one, let me, let me, I mean, I don't want to get in the way of your Samson, but listen, the thing, <laughs> the thing about me. <laughs> Uh, and microphones is I've been to a lot of studios. I've done a lot of tracking, and every time the the uh, producer or the engineer uh, brings out all when it's time to do vocals, bring out. Have we talked about this before? I don't care. Brings out all the microphones and sets them all, li- lies them all out on a table, and he's like, you know, this is a this is a twenty five thousand dollars Sony uh, tube mic, and this is a you know, this is our our U47 that we got from from uh, you know uh, the original Pink Floyd, and you know everybody's they're so proud of their like really high definition, beautiful um, microphones. And I and I, I try not to be I try not to be the 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 singer that's like, well, none of those are going to work. So I submit to a few hours of testing these microphones where they set it up and they put it through their best compressor and I sing and they track it and then we go in and we compare all the tracks and it's like well that's you know that mic sounds great on everybody but for some reason it just doesn't sound very good right here and they they eliminate that and then it's like well this next one oh it kind of doesn't sound very good either and they just start eliminating all the microphones until I'm back at the SM7. Wow. The Shure SM7. And it's happened so many times. It's happened 15 times. And so I go into the studio now and I'm like, you know what it is? It's typically I just use an SM7 into an 1176 with all the buttons pushed in. And the engineer or the producer is like, well, sure, but you haven't tried my amazing, sure, no pun intended, you haven't tried my amazing, you know, $80,000 microphone that I got from the East German government. <laughs> and we plug it in and we test it and then we end up back at the SM7. That's strange. So it's a microphone that is, I guess, made for me and I, so I have come to think of it as the only good microphone. It's helped a lot of people, no question. Yeah, but um, but other people, you know, and the thing is when I'm recording other singers, the SM7 into an 1176 doesn't work necessarily for them. They they sound amazing on these beautiful microphones. But, it's so strange how the different setups can make such a difference. There's all the, the famous, I guess, examples with guitarists. But like I'm always amazed. Like I used to play a Telecaster, and I was aware of the limitations and very specific sound of a Telecaster. And I'm amazed people with fairly stock Telecasters can get so many different sounds out of it. They don't just sound like Don Rich or something. They they can make it, or Alex Chilton or whatever. They can really make it sound so different. And I, I never found that easy to do. The Telecaster is one of those rare events in human history where the guy that invented the thing got it perfectly right the first try right the telecaster is the first essentially the first electric guitar 
first it, solid it was made, body. It was like made to be trunk. portable. You could take off the neck and put it in your trunk. Wasn't that the original value proposition? Yeah, it's just a slab of wood, and and you could unscrew the neck, and and yet it is still as valid a guitar. I mean, there have been seven thousand different kinds of guitars since then, or maybe seventy thousand, but the Telecaster is still like just as valid a guitar as any other and in in a lot of ways better you know more indestructible more versatile it's astonishing if you can think of if you can think of any other technology where the first one the first iteration of the thing continues to be the industry standard throughout the whole life of the of the thing i mean i guess like stradivarius yeah i mean the conventional wisdom at least with the uh, computer maths is that it takes two or three tries to get something to be the version that we really remember. Like, right. we, we love the first iPhone because it was amazing, but it's not, boy, if you look at compared to, you know, an iPhone 4, it's it's such an evolution forward that I get what you're saying, though. It's pretty crazy that at that time you could have something with that many evolutions. And knowing what we know about what made that sound good, you still can't make it sound that much better. It's, yeah. it's well, pretty crazy. I guess, I mean, there are probably a couple of nerds listening who are like, well, what about the Rickenbacker frying pan guitar? And what about the, you know, and there were hollow body electrics with microphones glued to the outside of them or whatever. I mean, there were prior. Right. Well, right but I mean, there, how many, but what you're saying though is how many things that were made 60 years ago can you take and plug into a standard interface for its market right. today and have it still sound better than a lot of the stuff that's made today that's that's yeah. astonishing yeah it's incredible to think of, to think that they didn't make that telecaster to be they didn't make it to be premium it was just they they took a bandsaw to a piece of wood and they i mean but not just it's not just the usefulness of it think of the shape of the telecaster mm-hmm. i mean you look at it and it's still a beautiful thing like it is still a gorgeous they just Leo Fender just drew a shape where it was like, huh, well, you want to reach up high on the neck, so I guess we'll, like, cut it out on that side. <laughs> and then uh, it's a couple, not, pick I up mean, it's here a, and a pick up there. It, it's gotten pretty in my mind because I've seen lots of my favorite guitar players using it, but it's not just on – it's not like looking at, like, a Gretsch or something where you go, ooh, that's like a work of art. Right, but in fact, it is the ultimate gorgeous – I mean, I the Telecaster was the first guitar I coveted. Really? Because, because of Pete Townsend? No, because of Chrissy Hine. Oh. I saw those original Chrissy Hine music videos for the, that first Pretenders record. And that was right, right when, you know, uh, you, you could see The Clash playing them, too. And it was just like, what is that incredible, cool guitar Chrissy Hine plays? And I wanted one immediately. Um, and I went down to the guitar store, and they were like, yeah, it's $900. And right. I was like... Nine hundred dollars. You could buy a you could buy a Dodge Dart for that. <laughs> I didn't even know what a Dodge Dart was, but I knew I knew you could, another classic you could car. I saw I saw a Swinger. I saw a Dodge Dart Swinger. You remember the Swinger? I think it was the lady version of the Dart. It had the little Daisy for the, you for know an what? eye. You hold your tongue, sir. I love the, the, no. I love the Swinger. It was a sporty s- little car. The Swinger was not a lady car. Why would they put a Daisy on it? Well, there was. You could. I mean, I think you might have seen somebody who put one of those uh, bathtub Daisies. Probably because it's the inner sound, y'all. The, st- the sticker uh, on the side? I don't think the Swinger necessarily all came with I think We had, had a Swinger. Uh, my friend Sam got one and he, he, in, when we were in high school. So at that point, it was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it was one of those things, it was a little bit like having a, like my VW bus, where like, you could definitely kill it, but then you could also resuscitate it with almost alarming ease. Sure. Slant 6, the greatest motor uh, ever made. Is that right? The Slant 6. Hmm. I'm telling you, if they still made the Slant 6, we'd, uh, we wouldn't have all these problems today. <laughs> It'd all be we different. Would, <laughs> we wouldn't have all these problems with the youth of America if, the, if we just had, were making the, the uh, Dodge Slant 6 motor. <laughs> I, Still. I remember my mom had a, uh, for a long time, long time, had a Pontiac Catalina. And I just remember every time you'd open up the hood, it, it looked like many of the parts had been removed. There was like so <laughs> much space. Like you open up our, our VW that we've got now, which is, you know, a new car. You yeah. open it up, you look inside, and it's what I imagine like an iPhone looks like. There's no tolerances for anything anywhere. It's all, sure. nothing serviceable. <laughs> no, it's just, a, it's just covered with a giant plastic carapace. It just looks like a like a, a robot cockroach made its home <laughs> inside of a matchbook. But <laughs> but that's the really slant unpleasant. Six, yeah, it's terrible, and that's what those cars sound like too. Yeah. The Slant Six, you know, it, uh, it, there was room in there to spread out a picnic blanket inside the engine compartment. You know, and you could you could work on it with a with the, with the with the standard set of tools. You didn't need a uh, special uh, what was it called the the clover leaf wrench? What's it called? What is it? I'll need to change a tire. Oh, right, the uh, Star, Starbolt. Oh, you know, that's a killer band name, Starbolt. Starbolt is a fantastic, that'd be, good, that'd be a good shoegaze band. Starbolt. Dude, take it, you got the music done. I love that, Starbolt. Starbolt. It, it's, it's very evocative of a lot of things, Starbolt. It is, and if you put a D in it and spelled it like Humboldt, but oh, Starbolt. I thought you meant S-D-A-R. <laughs> S-D-A-R. Starbolt. Starbolt. S apostrophe D-A-R. How about Starbolt County? <laughs> Oh, now it's a jam band, and it got terrible. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. You can even use it to make a podcast, for reals. They make the whole process so simple. They have an easy drag-and-drop interface with beautiful free templates. You can tweak those any way you want, make it look the way you'd like. All the Squarespace designs are responsive, so they look great on every device. But let me just say, guys, podcasting. Podcasting people, look it up. I want to remind you that Squarespace is the easiest way that I know of to set up and host your own podcast. That is what you are doing right now. You are listening to Roderick on the Line, which is hosted on Squarespace. It's the only way we can would ever consider doing it. Doing it this way for three years, and it is absolutely the best. You just upload an audio file, you attach it to a new post, and boom, you are doing your own big-time podcasting. It is literally literally that simple. I've been at this stuff for almost a decade now, believe it or not. I honestly can't imagine an easier way to do it. The beauty part is Squarespace plans start at only $8 American per month. That is so cheap. That comes with a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which you should totally do. And please remember, tell our friends at Squarespace that you heard about them from your pals here at Roderick on the Line, because listeners of this program get a free trial plus 10% off any package they choose by using the very special offer code Super train at checkout. Our thanks to our friends at Squarespace. They are so good to us. Thank you for supporting Roderick on the line. We could not do it without him. Oh, did you have car trouble today? Is there anything you can talk about? I had some car trouble. I'm the problem. I can't is, believe you recovered so quickly. I would I would still be crying on the side of the road trying to f- get my phone to work. Yeah, I couldn't get the car to start. It was uh, the battery was dead. But more importantly, I'm very worried about my next door neighbor or across the street neighbor. The the karaokeers? No, no, the little um, <gasps> the lady with the van. The lady with the van. Oh dear. I'm very worried. About four days ago, five days ago, all of a sudden, a bunch of people started being around that house. 
coming and going at all hours, people piling out of the house and getting in her car and driving away, five people in her car, and then an hour later coming back, parking the car on the, on the grass. Ugh. And then there was some kind of what I hesitate to call a party, but definitely... <laughs> it was an unsuccessful party. Well, definitely like a Saturday night where there were a bunch of sketchy people going in and out of the house, and it was probably a party to them, but to me, it looked like a bad scene. You know what I mean? Was like, she, you know was that, she in evidence any of this time? I have not seen her in a week. Oh, no. But the thing is that she often would go, I would go a week or two without seeing her. Because she's, you know, a little disabled. Like, she walks with a cane. She's pretty slow. Um, Her boyfriend slash fiancé, the guy with the uh, giant neck tattoo of a mosquito uh, with its mosquito proboscis buried in his neck vein... Like a giant, I'm talking about a giant. It's the size of a. You can see it from across the street. <laughs> it's the size of a Folgers coffee can, <laughs> tattooed on his neck. Giant mosquito, and this is the this is the mosquito, or this is the tattoo that he chose to get on his neck. <laughs> is uh, he and, called Skeeter? Well, you know what? That I should start calling him Skeeter. Uh, he has a long white beard that he has put rubber bands in, a la <laughs> Captain uh, Lou Keith Albano. Richards. Yeah. Yeah. He looks exactly like Captain Lou Albano, actually. And he, he's got like he's got one of those alcoholic cigarette voices that's just like <laughs> So he's out there kind of running the show in and out. Some real cracky people. There's a guy that looks like Wilt Chamberlain if Wilt Chamberlain was a mega stoner. And was completely bald on top, except had a kind of a fringe, pretty, pretty, pretty fluffy fringe around his ears. Always wears a headband, increasing, and he's six foot ten. Uh, but then a bunch of other like new sketchers, and they're coming and going in and out of the house late at night, kind of trying to keep quiet, except for this one gal that obviously like is the. This younger gal, probably 40-year-old gal that's like kind of queen of the scene, so she feels like she can talk at any volume at any time, and everybody's going to approve of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, 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 I'm surveying this, uh, these goings-on, and there's a lot of whispered conversations in the driveway, and then somebody, you know, like does a fast walk back into the house, and somebody else does a fast walk up the street. And I'm like, what's going on over there? I don't like it. I don't like it. But there's enough. There's a. There are enough problems. One, I routinely don't see my neighbor for weeks at a time, so I can't really say like, well, one day I stopped seeing her, and all these people showed up, so I had to call a community service patrol. And the second thing is like, there's enough sort of class and cultural difference between me and them that. I am I'm routinely looking out the window going, mm, those are scumbags. I know scumbags. And yet, maybe I'm being classist right now. Maybe they aren't scumbags. Maybe they are just people, just good folk, working folk who are struggling to make ends meet. 
And then the other voice in my head is like, working folk don't walk like crackheads. The, the crackhead walk is a very distinctive cockroachy walk. But then I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm second guessing it the whole time because I'm like, what, you know, what if I called somebody and said, I'm worried about my across the street neighbor. And they said, well, what makes you worry about them? And I was like, well, a bunch of sketchers going in and out of her house and I haven't seen her in a week. And they're just kind of like, I and they're like, well, are they, are they like setting the house on fire? Or they, do they appear to be stealing her stereo? And it's like, mm, not exactly. I mean, people are moving things in and out of the house, but it's not a clear, they didn't, there's no moving van pulled up and filled up the house. So well, anyway, the fact that it's happening in slow motion like that, like I, I know exactly what you mean where like I, over the years I've, for any number of reasons, I've gotten much less trigger happy about saying, Oh, let's call the cops because right. I'm realizing as I get older and see more stuff, how complicated that decision can be in the moment. And over the years after that, you know, like suddenly you're the guy who calls the cops on people. Like you do want to be that guy. Um, unless there's a good reason. But so on the one hand, it could be, she's, like not well she's particularly not well she's bedridden and a bunch mm-hmm. of sketchy people are helping out but you don't you're you're worried about like an elder abuse type situation where, where maybe she's sitting there with sores or something well or just i mean there are a lot of things going through my head and and, and the other voice in my head is like well what what if she is in trouble and you've been sitting watching this go on for four days like she doesn't have anybody to count on calling and alerting the authorities except you you're the only person with eyes on this nobody else in the neighborhood pays attention to anything that's going on and you know what what are my responsibilities to her yeah to, I mean, what's the worst thing if you like, the way they called it you've gotten these the welfare call like yeah. uh what's the worst thing that would happen you think you go well, and you go and you say hello i am using a voice modulator no maybe not do that but you would say uh you know i haven't seen my neighbor for a few weeks you might want to yeah. just drive by and check it out. Yeah, right. I feel so. Anyway, so last night, uh, a lot, a, a bunch more like, and, and the thing is, you know, like, like they all come running out, jump in the car, and drive somewhere. So yesterday, they're they're standing in the driveway, and the and the guy with the mis- and Skeeter is saying like, "We got ripped off, man. We got ripped off. We really got ripped off this time." And I was like. Okay, all right, now I'm getting to the bottom. You know, I'm listening to this through my head. Could right? have been multi-level marketing. Yeah, now, now I'm getting to the bottom of this. And, he's, and then he starts whispering, and he's like, you know, they got all my weed. And I'm like, well, that's not a reason to call the cops that they stole his weed. But who? I mean, it's like people coming in and out of the house stole his stuff. The, the, the other drunk guy that lives in the van in the front yard is nowhere to be seen, and he's normally my biggest problem. <laughs> Wait, so Skeeter's not the guy in the van? Skeeter lives in the house. No, the dude in the van is a totally different guy. Huh. And the dude in the van is like, and I would expect him to be out doing his usual act, which is like, fucking police took my kids! He, he rants in the middle of the road, right? Isn't that his yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, he rants in the middle of the road, but he's gone. I don't see him at all. His van's still there. Anyway, so last night I'm driving by. I look in the, in the driveway of the house, and there is a display unit of fascia for Windows phones. Fascia for, um, you know, like, uh, like cases, different cases for Android phones, I guess. And it's obviously a store display. <laughs> the, 
that someone has boosted. <laughs> what? Like somebody stole like Windows someone, phone cases? Someone stole a display of like 25 different colored Windows phone cases, perhaps thinking that they were phones. <laughs> oh, no. And then got them to the house, realized they weren't phones, and just dropped it in the driveway. Uh, so I'm like, okay, that's not that cool. And then this morning, I wake up and there is a landscaping truck with a wood chipper. <laughs> oh no! That drives up in front of the house. There are now three cars parked in the grass, and in a in a just in a way that I can't quite see through the hedge. Something goes in the wood chipper. They spend a minute grinding something up, and then the wood chipper truck drives away. <laughs> it's now, like some kind of like emergency shredding service for, for a handful, an armful of items. Now, where – I mean, it, but it, the thing is it's a, it's a proper landscaping truck. It's not like it, you, you wouldn't have thrown a, uh, like an old computer printer in there. It was, it was, it was a landscaping truck. Now, I, in my whole life, I have never seen one of those pull up somewhere – shred one thing for one minute no and then drive away for a million reasons i mean usually it's like a tree or a bunch of bushes something if you it's to to call that thing out you'd have to want enough stuff to get shredded that needs to be shredded it's got to be something that guy's gonna be standing there supervising it's not like you're throwing in a dachshund or something he's gonna he's you know he wants to know that it's something responsible that you're throwing in there and then he drives away drives away and so i'm at this point, I'm looking through the, the hedges like a total, uh, you know, like a super peeper. And, you know, I feel like Mr. Furley or whatever. <laughs> and Mrs. Kravitz. <laughs> Mrs. Kravitz. What are they doing in there? And uh, the tr- truck drives away. And then, uh, you know, again, all the cars scatter in every direction. And I'm like, okay, what if my neighbor, because I had already been thinking, like, what if she died? And she's, and there, and and there's enough shit in that house, and enough like weird stuff to figure out that she died, and her fiance is gradually stripping all the copper pipes out of this place, and not calling, you know, not calling it in yet. Right, they're in that <clears throat> they're in that kind of that buy period where if they can keep people from knowing that she's gone, you, you still got a place to live and you still got a copper pipe to repurpose. Right. But watching them, there is a kind of calm, a sort of unperturbable calm to them that maybe is because they're crackheads and so they have a constant level of tense anxiety, but it never fl- it never flares. But that's not true of crackheads. Crackheads get go bonkers when things are even a little bit out of whack. So, and I'm trying to think, like, it's been four or five days. It's been pretty hot days, in fact. If somebody was dead in there, it would be intolerable to live there. Maybe she, I mean, but if she went to visit a relative, she would have taken her car. I mean, I honestly, and, and the problem is I'm, a, I'm enough of a busybody and I'm a total cop caller. I call the cops all the time, but I don't know what my, I don't know what case I can make. And, the, and, I'm, and, I, and there's a part of me that is inhibited by a feeling that a lot of the things I'm seeing that I'm making judgments about fall into this category of like, well, is that a 
legitimate judgment you're making, or are you making some kind of weird? Uh, are you I, are I, you not a member of the culture, <clears throat> and so you are like casting aspersions? Yeah. Oh, I I think about that all the time now. Uh, yeah, I, when I was a kid, I'm back to guitars. I remember one afternoon, um, our neighbor, who was a semi-professional guitar player, was like cool enough to let you know a couple teenagers hang out with him, and he would show us Jimi Hendrix licks and stuff. And he one day he let me borrow his, his tube screamer um, pedal. And in the time that it took me to walk from his yard to my yard, we had adjacent yards. Pretty much, almost by the time I walked into the house, my mom called me from the office because our nosy next door neighbor said that I was bringing beer into the house. Wow. So, she, you know, the thing is, you know, you know how it is to be a busybody. You've been Gladys Kravitz. You're waiting for sure. any reason to call. And she was waiting for some, some reason. She had nothing better to do. And so she called, called me in, called my mom because I had a guitar effect in my hand. Right. So you don't want to well, be that guy. You don't want to be the, the you know, funny that you would mention Jimi Hendrix <clears throat> because a big part of the culture of, uh, of my neighbor. She's a black woman in her 60s. Her husband was about 15 years older than she was, or 10 years older. And he was a Seattle musician who had played with Jimi Hendrix. Oh, and one of the calling cards of all of these uh, Seattle African-American dudes in their 60s, if, they have, if, any of, if you are a, a guy in his 60s who's lived in Seattle his whole life and you ever smoked pot... You have a story about how you used to hang out with Jimi Hendrix. Right. So every one of these guys, the Wilt Chamberlain guy, totally has bored me to tears with his, all his stories about how he and Jimmy were, fa- uh, you know, thick as thieves. And <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy and, Hendrix, famous, famously introverted guy who just sat in his house and played guitar alone a lot. <laughs> yeah. But he knew every one of these sure. guys, and they all knew his mom, and they all, you know, and it's like he didn't know his mom. Jimmy Hendrix wasn't, he was raised by his dad. But every one of these guys has got 25 stories. So the thing is that in addition to like your normal sort of cracky, weird vibe going on over there every once in a while a guy will walk in with a fedora with a giant fucking uh feather sticking out of it or like not just a feather but like a uh like a peacock feather like a feather that's four feet tall <laughs> and uh, you know and we'll, and, we'll call him mr hat <laughs> yeah and then a guy comes in in a scoot in a suit made of scarves and it's just like I don't know what I'm seeing over there. It's hard to know how to filter all of that. I'm a rock musician. I've seen some crazy shit. But this house is just like, and I, so anyway, and like Skeeter, like I never thought the day would come. But when I see Skeeter, it's a relief to me because at least he is a guy that I know is reliably a, a broken down, unreliable alcoholic. At least I know his, I got his number. Right. The rest of the the rest of the scene, I got no. I have no purchase on. Mm-hmm. And everybody's super friendly. Like you know, even even the the guy that looks uh like Easy E. When I come out into the street, you know, kind of like, oh, hello, good morning, taking the garbage out or whatever. He wants to come over and chat, and like everybody's really friendly. So I don't feel like they have the body of my neighbor wrapped in a carpet somewhere. But then the fucking wood chipper truck <laughs> that's a curveball man if this if this were a young adult novel from uh from my youth i think the the answer is clear obviously if you're a grown-ass man you should just call the police because clearly something's not right here but i'm just saying i guess there's probably always maybe probably somebody inside 
But maybe you need to go and do some reconnaissance. Just just to get your own, maybe you need to put your nose against the window and see what's really going on in there. Ooh. See, this is this is the thing. Over the last four years, there have been a lot of people come in and out of the house, and it's always turned out to be benign. You know, there was a guy there with a moving truck for a while, and I was like, this two years ago. Turned out it was her dead husband's long lost cousin who found him in the phone book and came and stayed for a week, and he was he was like a deeply charming guy from uh, from Atlanta. And I was like, "Oh, please don't go! I want you to stay here. You are he's you a good, are good like, influence. He was a good guy, but then he was like, I live in Atlanta. I gotta go home.' I actually said to him, like, please don't go.' <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> it's been this has been really great. I love it up here. I, you know, it's a place I could see myself retiring to, but I gotta go. And so, but like going around the back of that house or peeping <clears throat> on it, uh, that doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, not to mention the fact that like." <clears throat> Like cranky guy who lives in the van. I haven't seen him, <laughs> and he's the one that scares me. This he's sounds like one. a really immersive video game. This guy, he <laughs> you, hates. You know, I mean, you might spend <clears throat> you might spend two weeks before you ever even go onto the property, just figuring it out before you ever level up to yeah, where you right. would go and get past the guy in the van. <laughs> uh, it's the Legend of Zelda, <laughs> the Legend of Skeeter. <laughs> I think the guy in the van. Like, he's the type of alcoholic that he will have a long conversation with you and then the next day not remember ever having met you. And he hates, he really hates the cops because they took his kids. <laughs> you could use that to your benefit. If he's, right? if he's that forgetful, maybe you could, you could sort of intimate. Yeah, see, you don't want to make yourself a target. But if you could let him know that, like, maybe you had some things that could, that could help him out. You know, when you get that into that kind of serious alcoholic delirium, he might, he might really open up. I'm directly across the street, though. So it's like, you know, I have I have one of those three thousand candle power spotlights that basically is a it's a spotlight from a battleship that could illuminate a whole theater of war, and I keep it on reserve for those moments when I really want to light up the street, um, because it's a little bit of a shock and awe situation. Yeah, it's a, it sounds like a heavily weaponized light. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> boom, and then everybody scatters or or. But the problem with a light like that is there's no question where it's coming from. No, no. Now, how, how will you know when it's gone too far? Let me, let me put it that way. Like, you know, if you're th- obviously, you know, you're a thinker. You think these things through. When do you think you would know? I mean, apart from the obvious sort of people shooting guns in the air kind of thing. When, when do you think you would know that it was time to do something? I've been waiting for there to be one of those, like, uh, situations where a bunch of people are coming out and loading up a car with things that seem like they belong in the house. Turntables, uh, you know, furniture. Quilts. Quilts. Like somebody where, where, where it's clear that they are, that they are dismantling the house. Right. But I, I haven't quite seen that yet. Mm-hmm. For a while, the 30 or the, the woman in her 40s that was kind of queen of the scene, she sat on a on a plastic lawn chair in the front yard for like three hours one time between the hours of one and four in the morning (laughs) in a way that felt like she was a, she was like posted there. Like you go sit on the chair out front. Wow. And, and watch, watch the road. And I'm not even, I'm not even like really delving into the cars that are just driving up, Pulling up out front of the house, stopping in front of the house, idling 
for five minutes. No one gets in. No one gets out. What? The windows are tinted, and then the car drives away. I'm, I'm not, I haven't even gotten into telling that part of the story. It's very concerning. I, I couldn't write something with this many trap streets, with this many like faints. Yeah, there's so much stuff here. It, it sounds, like, and you know, there's probably one thing that just explains it all. Maybe it's a halfway house, an unlicensed halfway house, a quarter well, of the way house. It's definitely been an unlicensed halfway house for a long time, but things are out of control now. Yeah, you, you can, you know, sometimes you can feel like you can feel like when somebody's influence is waning. Here's a mm. funny thing: when people get a little bit older, and you start to get something like empty nest syndrome, even if that's you know a deceased spouse, where you love having people around. You know, mm-hmm. you want people, you want to hear people around the house. It's a great thing. But I think there's another thing. Um, you see this a lot in older women, I think, where they're like, you know, I really like being left alone. I mm. like, I like having, I want to be secure, whatever. But like, you know, I kind of like the fact that I get to have my own space and do it the way that I want. And so it sounds, I mean, is the stuff that's going on now sound like the kind of thing that she would welcome or enjoy three years ago? Mm, no. Hard to tell. No. Uh, you know, she's, uh, she was always a, a, a pretty respectable lady in the sense that she like the the whole reason that Skeeter came into the house was that she was uh that she characterized herself at one point to me as a drug and alcohol counselor hmm. and i was like really i don't know about that or 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 rather i took it in the same way that when somebody says to me that they are a sex educator a serial entrepreneur yeah, yeah, right. Uh, anytime somebody says that they're a mental health professional, professional I dancer, go like, mm, mm, really? Mm-hmm. Are you really? And she was like, uh, you know, I'm a sort of a drug and alcohol counselor. And I was like, everybody who ever went to a 12 step meeting kind of says that about themselves, but it doesn't make it true. And so Skeeter was there ostensibly originally to get clean. Mm. He, she was walking him through the. But, I mean, he's out there right now just drinking Sterno and spraying <laughs> hairspray into a plastic bag and, like, all God. kinds of... Th- nobody's sober. So, well, anyway, I hope so nothing's it's, up. It's, I really... it's causing me some anxiety. And then I got out there this morning and my car wouldn't start. And I was like, okay, what's that? Is, is somebody sleeping in my car and they're leaving the door cracked open so that they can read uh, the in-flight magazine or... or <laughs> Like, how did my car battery get run down? Uh, and then I went and checked the trunk to see if the trunk was ajar, because sometimes that will run your car battery down. Mm-hmm. I realized that my guitar was in the trunk and had been in there for 10 days. Oh, my God. And I hadn't, and I don't lock my car, because if you lock your car, they just come break your window. Now you're paying for a window. So I leave my car unlocked. Well, any numbnut in the town could have come by and pop the trunk and there was my guitar and i would have been i wouldn't have noticed it was missing until later on this week when i needed it and i would have been like huh where's my guitar i wonder and because i have three houses there's always that possibility that it's somewhere else right oh that's such a harrowing feeling i'm like that with my backpack because my my backpack really feels like my outboard brain you know it's got all Mm. the stuff in it that's not just immediately on my body and when i leave it somewhere i am it's it's like leaving my kid I feel I, I've, when I get it back, I feel better, but not that much better. You know what I mean? Where you're like, because you're still vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, like it's the the stupid still with me. You know, 
So uh, what's in your backpack? Computer? <clears throat> well, at various times, yeah, computer. It could be an iPad. It could just be like, you know, everything that I, I like to keep a pretty light wallet. And so I will outboard some of that, as we say, uh, into, into the backpack. Yeah. But I, I'm pretty dogged about it. I mean, I've, I've really, it's, it's, I think like the way a lot of people would be with a purse. Like, I just don't forget that. But what was you, it? So you think it was you think it was your accessory light inside? Do you think it's me? It's me. Uh, it's it's it scares me to think about. But it's been an eventful week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and uh, I could have. I don't know. I don't know what. I didn't have the headlights on. I don't know how I ran down the battery. But it. But it. But it causes me great concern. I used to be it's, so much more confident about everything. I used to really falsely. I used to really feel like I understood a lot more than I do today, and mm-hmm. it gets worse like every week. I have more and more self-doubt about all the angles I'm probably getting wrong about something. And sometimes it, not to say it cripples me, but like in a case like that, I mean, if you were 10 years younger, would you hesitate for a minute? Like you just, you'd, you'd either do it yourself or you'd like call the police, right? Yeah. I feel like 10 years ago, well, the, and that's the problem. I think a major problem with getting older is that I feel like the same person and yet I'm not responding to things the same way. And I wonder if I am the same person. I remember a kid said to me, a guy I'd known in high school, when I was 24 or something, he came through town and stayed with me for a week. And he said, you know, you're a funny guy, but you're not nearly as funny as you were in high school. And I was like, well, that's a shitty thing to say. And he was like, no, I mean, in high school, like, you were hilarious, but you were also cruel. Like, you're a lot better now because you were funny, but you were, you were terrible. And now you're not terrible, not so terrible. <laughs> and from within, I had, I mean, I could kind of understand what he was saying because there, there, there was a moment where I made somebody cry and I felt bad about it. I told you the story. I was running for freshman class president in college. And we were all in the lunchroom and, and uh, the principal or whatever, the dean of the college, I guess there's not a principal of a college. The dean of the college was announcing the results and, uh, and he announced that my opponent had won, the freshman class president. And I saw a guy that I knew and a guy I'd known from Anchorage who coincidentally went to my college. I saw him make the, the like pumped fist hand motion of like, yes. And I knew that it, that it was not that he was so excited for the other person to win. He was just excited that I lost. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And I was like, I, I was a little devastated by that. This was a guy who, I mean, we weren't friends, but we'd gone to high school together. There should have been at least enough loyalty just from that to carry us to carry it through that he wouldn't wish ill upon me. That's way worse than wanting the other guy to win. Yeah, to want you to lose. Yeah. And and I realized in that moment and kind of, you know, like that 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 was one of a series of moments where I was like, "Oh, maybe I am uh maybe there are people who genuinely don't like me yeah. because I am I'm mean or bad." But but within my mind I still feel like the same person and now I'm in my 40s and I can't trust anything, I think. Oh, I know. And I mean, I trust you, Merlin. I trust you to tell me. Well, you shouldn't. 
you know, I, there's this weird, uh, I don't know, Rubicon between like all the stuff I used to think I know really well. And then this other side over here where it's me like, you know, slouching toward responsibility, even though mm. I'm not really that good at the responsibility stuff. So when there's something like, you know, loud music that's keeping my kid with uh, a cold awake, even I'll, I'll sit on that because I'm not sure exactly how to handle that. Because there's the 20 year old version of me who doesn't want to be a dick. And tell somebody to turn down their music. And then there's the other version of me that goes, man, if you were a real dad, you would just walk over there, treat that other, treat that kid like a kid that you respect and say, hey, do me a favor. Could you turn it down? My kid's sick. But I still, I'll debate that. And I'll sit there and, and, and mull that over for a couple hours. And then, so what do I do? Am I going to call the police and have them be my, be my dad for me? Like, I, I, I don't know. I think when I knew less, I had more confidence. I was less, yeah. probably less effective, but it felt more effective. Like I felt more like I, I was getting stuff done. Like I was getting stupid stuff done, but I really thought I knew what I was doing. I feel like we're not representing megalomaniacs very well right now. We used to be better at it. I think we need to really, we need to step back. Well, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed. No, that's not true. I'm a lot embarrassed. Uh, that I have sort somewhat been concealing the fact that I got into a fist fight the other day. What? Oh, John, you haven't and, done that in a while, have you? No, it's been a long time. Oh my I god! Was at, it was at Bumbershoot. Oh my god! And there were a couple of drunks, drunk twenty-five-year-olds, who were. I was waiting in line in the drinking fountain, and this. You know, drunk kid with like shark eyes is leaning next to the drinking fountain and he's just kind of eyeballing everybody. There's a line of people looking at the drinking fountain and he's just weaving and staring and he's making everybody uncomfortable. Oh, God. And I'm talking to a friend and somebody asks me if, uh, you know, I'm wait- there's two drinking fountains, a short one and a tall one. And somebody asked me if I'm, the short one is is available, and they asked me if I'm going to go on the short one, and I was like, no, I'm waiting for the stand-up tall one. And this guy, leaning up against the wall, goes, did you say something sexist to my girlfriend? And I was like, what? And it was a hilarious... It was a hilarious uh, provocation, right? He's not saying... Did you look at my girlfriend? He's saying, did you say something sexist to my girlfriend? Like, it's a total millennial uh, thought process, right? (laughs) He's a millennial bully. He's a millennial bully. Like, he has figured out, he's still a bully asshole, but he's been raised in this culture where, where you have to couch your bullying in... This, this thought process of like, I was just defending her because you said something sexist. My head, to her. my head is spinning, John. That is, you know there's I mean? so many levels to this. Yes. Well, now he's got a really righteous reason. It's yeah. not, it's not his uh, fedora wearing male ego. He's a, he's a warrior now. That's right. And the, and the thing is that at any other time in history, oh, God. his righteous reason would have been that he was defending her because you were trying, you were like, uh, coming on to You're, her. Yeah, you, and you were disrespecting his male authority. Yeah, you were disrespecting his property. But now he's a social justice warrior and he's defending her because you said something sexist to her. And I was like, I didn't say anything to her or you. And he's like, did you say s- something sexist to my girlfriend? Oh, Jesus. And, you know, and like gets up off the wall, squares his shoulders up. And I'm 
in, I'm standing there in a suit. And I was like, there are 20, I have 25 different strategies at my disposal to defuse this situation. And I'm choosing to use none of them. Wow. And I was like, you know what, kid? You're too drunk to be in public. You're hostile. You're gross. And you need to get out of here. This is a music festival. People are having a good time. And you're a piece of shit. You need to go home. And he was like, whoa, you want to fucking talk to me about you go home. And, you know, and he steps to me. And I'm like, seriously, you're drunk. You're too drunk to be out. And you need to either go sit on a bench until you sober up or you need to go home because you're a pain in the ass. And he's like, oh, you some kind of fucking fuck you, man. Fucking 40 year old. And I was like, I am 40 years old. And I'm telling you, they need to go home. And his friend is there, and his friend jumps in and is like, he's just drunk, man. He's just drunk. And I was like, yeah, he's drunk. You're drunk. You're too drunk. Go home. And then the girlfriend is like, "Uh, stop it, Steve. Don't. And I'm like, all of you, you need to get out of here. And he's, you know, then he and then his friend is like well who the fuck are you why don't you get out of here and then it's like two of them right the the drunk guy and then his drunk friend that was trying to be the peacekeeper and then at a certain point the guy's like you know what fuck it man just shake my hand just shake my hand oh god and i was like i'm not gonna shake your hand dude i got nothing to shake your hand about you need to go home that's all i'm telling you and then it's like, well, he wouldn't, sh- I wouldn't shake their hand, right? So then it's like, you're a fucking bitch, man. You're a bitch. You won't shake my hand. And I'm like, I'm a bitch. I'm a 40-year-old bitch <laughs> who's telling you to get the... F- and then now there's a crowd of people. I'm like, I'm a 40-year-old bitch. I'm telling you to go home, out of here. Go sit down on the grass, but don't stand here by the freaking drinking fountain picking fights with people. And then he pushes me. Calls, set, pushes me while calling me a bitch in such a way that he kind of like spittle, like spittle oh. bitch, like bitch, oh. pushes me. And I fucking punched him right in the face. And oh. then I punched him again in the face and then I put, took him down to the floor. And then his friend punched me. And then I, I don't know, I, then I don't remember. Uh, but in the end... It, there was um, so then I was embarrassed that yeah, I. Yeah, you're wearing a suit. You're, a, you're suit. a forty year old bitch in a suit. I'm a forty year old homeowning bitch <laughs> in a suit. God, John. And um, and then I'm standing there, uh, and this kid is a mess, and his friend is like uh, running, and I popped a button off of my suit. And I'm embarrassed. I'm like, what the? F- how did this happen? How am I standing here now in a huge crowd of people? And so I go, so I turn around to go and I'm just like, I need to go splash some water on my face. I go into the bathroom. I look down and my finger is all fucked up. Oh no. And I'm like, not only did I get into a fist bite, but now I fucked up my finger. I do not even anymore have the karate skills to not hurt myself on this guy's head. So I'm in the bathroom and I'm like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. This is embarrassing. I'm a full-grown man. There were a lot of ways I could have dealt with that. 
So I sit in the bathroom for a little while and I'm like, I don't even want to come out of the bathroom. I'm so fucking embarrassed. But eventually I come out of the bathroom and my friend is waiting there. And he says, we should leave by the back stairs. And I say, why? And he says, there are a bunch of cops and paramedics around the corner. And there's, a, there's like blood all over Oh, so it was pretty bad. It was, I mean, I was mad. Yeah. Well, I and, mean, I, 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 I wasn't there, but, and I don't have the skills, but you were, I think, in a pretty defensive position. I don't, you know, you did well, what you had to do, I guess. Well, I mean, well, you know, the thing is that, that 99% of people, I think, would have said that the actual thing to do in our contemporary uh, society would have been to say, hey, guy, I didn't say anything to your girlfriend. It's cool. Or, you know, like, you're right to defend her against people saying sexist things to her. or <laughs> That weren't actually said. <laughs> or that, that no one was talking to you. Or, you know, or just, like, avert your eyes and not say anything and wait for him to take on the next person that he encounters. Or let him sit by the drinking fountain for 45 minutes and scare everybody in the building. Or whatever, go get in a car or, you know, whatever his plan was. But in any case, so we, we go out via the back stairs and my friend says, listen, I don't want to glorify that at all. But the best moment of it was two guys walking through, you know, kind of skirting the devastation. And one of them says, what the hell happened to those two guys? And the other one goes, I heard they got their asses kicked by a 40 year old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awful that's terrible it's terrible and so then and later in my on, head though i've seen you you've, you've lost weight you look good. you got a hair you've cut your hair in a sensible way your beard is trimmed you look kind of like tom wolf and you're yeah. a fucking 40 year old bitch in a suit yeah and i'm like i'm like i'm you know I, I lost a button off my suit and my friend is like they're mopping his blood off the floor oh, you should john. be grateful and then i then i watched as they as they put him on a gurney oh, and carry no, him to john. an ambulance and so i'm in, i'm embarrassed and I also feel bad, and you know, and every minute of the day, I have a reminder of it because Your my finger. finger is in a fucking splint now. Oh no! Which finger? Which hand? My 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 first finger, my pointer finger of my right hand. So it's not a it's it's I can still play guitar with my second yeah. finger, but um, like I have a gig this weekend. Oh shit! And also, so I get home and I'm like. Well, you know, I've broken my hands before and you just go to the doctor and they just, they just tell you, you know, they charge you $700 to tell you what you already know. So I made a splint out of a couple of chopsticks and some band-aids and I wore that around for a while and I was like, well, I, maybe that's not the right, maybe chopsticks are too straight. You don't want to have your, you don't want to make your fingers too straight. So I took the chopstick splint off for a couple of days, and I was just like, I'm just going to use it until it gets better. <laughs> and then I think I re-injured it in a way that makes me think that maybe it's broken. broken. Yeah. And oh. so ne- then I went to the drugstore, and I bought a proper splint and <laughs> put proper tape on it. Okay. You're making circles. You're getting a little closer. Mm-hmm. I, think, the- I think, John, I, I don't want to be ego-assertive. I think you might want to get that looked at. 
The thing is that what do you, what happens? You go look at the doctor x-ray. It's going to tell like, you yep, things you broken. already know. Yeah, seven hundred dollars. Yeah, it's broken. You should have. You should put a splint on it. And it's like I got a splint on it now. I should have had it on there the whole time. Oh God! But so it hurts, and I feel like I did break it, and um, it's been a week, and it doesn't feel like it's you know there, for for the week that I was kind of walking around in either my chopstick splint or my or just using it. I was like, it hurts an awful lot, and it's pretty swollen, but I feel like the best thing to do is just ice it and use it. Those bones are really small, John. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I guess, and ultimately, I'm most embarrassed at the fact that I don't even know how to uh, like beat up a drunk without breaking my own hand. Don't give me a break. <laughs> uh, are you, uh, God, that, my, my heart would be in my throat. That situation. Uh, I mean, it was upsetting. I think it was upsetting to everyone. Um, but it's a, it's just one of those situations where, where as I replayed it, it was like, uh, I'm such a, I'm such a paternalist. You know, like this kid obviously didn't have a good dad, and I was going to be his bad dad for that half an hour and i don't know i don't who knows if you know like i got beat up a couple of times when i was that age i was never like sit by a drinking fountain pick fights with people i mean i got drunk beat up for legitimate reasons that i was an asshole who needed to be taken to the well it sounds like a pre i mean not not to defend the experience but it sounds like he was a predator and maybe he was too drunk to know he was being a predator but that's that's not a way to behave in public as an adult yeah yeah and you know and i could have i could have gone and found a security guard and then what what what, you know like come on what would have happened there nothing uh, Maybe so, a forty-year-old bitch with a security card. <laughs> yeah, then I'd be like a forty-year-old bitch in a suit that went and got his mom. Or but it sounds like it wasn't the it wasn't exactly the name calling. It was the the pushing you and the like prov- provoking you that basically now two guys are going to fight you and you're wearing a suit. Yeah, right. I mean the the push was not benign. It was a it was like the it was the provocation but of he sounds a like a classic was, a classic such a classic bully though you know yeah. i mean because the really classic bully is not somebody who you know succeeds for for you know 20 years at it the classic bully is is somebody who's gotten away with it yeah and gets well, away and with was, it enough and it becomes their own like uh kind of uh malignant therapy for trying to deal with power uh in their life and yeah, that what, what, and then they just beat up who they can when he, or made the transition, when he made the transition from, did you say something sexist to my girlfriend, to just shake my hand and it'll be cool, what was missing in the interim was any kind of apology, right? And if he had said, or his friend had said, hey, I'm sorry, I got that wrong, I apologize, right. let's just shake hands and be done with it. Yeah, like this is, you know what, oh, this is stupid, I'm, this is, let's just move on. Yeah, okay. No, right? No, no, oh. no. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, uh, no, John. I, I like this. I, I, well, I don't like this anecdote, but you know, yeah, uh, if he, he had said if he had made it, but what he did was the classic bully move, which was kiss my now, ring. <laughs> yeah, now he's he's trying to get out of it. He realizes that he is that he's out of his depth. Yeah, basically, you've now he sees it as a, you've successfully negotiated to where a tough guy doesn't have to beat you up, and now all you have to do is is admit that he was right all along and shake his hand like a gentleman. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. And the fact that I wouldn't shake his hand then became the issue. Of course. Now it's a bit, now it's about like you're not even a normal gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, but like uh, and and that is the that's the classic sort of bullying redirect and people do that all the time. Uh, it's also you know, a classic and, way to trick somebody into getting sucker punched. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, his, I, I know he loves signs. I know he loves signs at my daughter's school. One that I noticed the other day that I think was pretty good was like a very short sign that just said how to apologize for something. And there's three steps. Oh, you say, right. well, no, I'm just saying what if a genuine apology goes like this. You say, uh, I'm sorry for what I did. Number one. Number two, it was my fault. And number three, what can I do to make this better? And I have to tell you, as signs go, I think that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, that's a good sign. Because nothing sucks like a bad apology. You know, the I'm sorry you're offended kind of apology. Yeah, the big city the apology. The big city apology, exactly. But, the, uh, but, in, but in that case, you know, that guy, that was not about that. And the thing is, you know this. You've been that guy, in a sense. You've been the dumb, drunk guy who was watching himself from outside his body do something stupid. Somewhere in that guy's little pinhead, he probably saw what a dumbass he was being. But I, yeah. I, got, yeah, I don't want to try and defend it, but I really doubt that's the first time this has ever happened. I doubt that he said, Bumbershoot is going to be my bully coming out party. I bet he's yeah. been pulling shit like that for years. And oh, people and he usually back has. down. He absolutely has. And and the fact that his girlfriend and his friend were so ineffective in controlling him and stop, then his Stop it, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Stop it, Steve. And then his then his buddy, you know, like decided he was gonna get on board the bully train rather yeah. than you know, and I think I hope that the lesson that they take away is that forty year old guys have 20 plus more years of kicking people's ass than they do. You know what I mean? Like, like at least in that situation, I hope the takeaway was there are a lot of people, there are a lot more people to watch out for than we prior, than we previously thought. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish it would, I wish it would be something even more humane, which is like, wow, that's a pretty, I was acting like a real shit heel. Well, no, because the, the, you know that 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 they will never go back and reevaluate their own behavior. Probably can't remember it. But if they just think to themselves, oh, there are more people watching and, and, um, and prepared to intervene and capable of, of uh, stopping me than I previously thought, right? Because they were so contemptuous of the fact that I was older than they were, like 40 years old, that you should have seen the looks on their faces. Like, you're fucking 40, dude. What are you going to fucking do about it? Well, it's, it's probably not so different than us going to a punk rock show and going, God, look at that guy. You know, why, 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 is, why is that guy here? Doesn't he know that this isn't for him? Well, I know, but, you know, there were all, always those guys at punk rock shows who were 40 years old that you sure as shit didn't tangle with. Those guys with mosquitoes tattooed on their necks. <laughs> you don't mess where, with mosquitoes. <laughs> where you were just like, no, thank you. Are you, um, are you, how do I say? Do you have mm-hmm. concerns for uh, the consequences of this? Oh, there was some suggestion. Well, so I got a tweet from somebody who was like, hi, big fan, really excited to meet you, and was about to say hi uh, at the center house when you got into a strange altercation with a drunk, and I decided to split. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm really sorry that you had to witness that uh, debacle. And she said, well, you know, I'm a teacher and I realized that this situation wasn't going to get any better if there was a crowd of people. So I just got out of there. Right. So I imagine that she, I am hoping that she split before, she split even while it was just sort of an ugly 
back and forth before it turned into a uh, like a one way uh, back and forth. But some, uh, but my friend did say like, uh, does it concern you that that that, that twenty five people could have videotaped that and put it on the internet? And um. In a way, it would just be it would just be embarrassing in the same way that it was already embarrassing, which is just like, what am I doing? Right. But it was not it was not unrighteous. No, no, I was mm, I was thinking more of from a legal standpoint. Well, that's the thing. That's and that, this is the problem of a videotape, right? Uh, if somebody had turned on their phone just in the last five seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still would see him push me, and then me respond, and that is sort of like I beats me what the what the total breakdown of the rules is. But I feel like if somebody like pushes you hard and spits in your face, kind of that you uh, you are entitled to punch them in the nose. Um, but but the the problem of of any kind of video is that you wouldn't have got you wouldn't have the whole spectrum of this guy's provocation, right? There wasn't a film crew already watching him be a, a shitty um, thug. Right. So, but again, I think about this stuff all the time. I still have a whole section, a whole shelf of books that I'm just saving for prison. <laughs> I, I, I am always waiting for the phone to ring and it's somebody with a subpoena. Oh, God. And, and so... You know, and I have, I've got, I've got, I've, I've, I've considered myself in, and I think everybody has to have done this at one point or another, considered myself in an interview room with two cops across the table from me, and they think I committed a crime that I didn't. Because you hear about this all the time. Oh, yeah. You get inter- you're being interviewed by a good cop, bad cop, and somehow after 24 hours, they, they convince you to. They only to need, they only really need confess. you to say it, they only need you to say it different one time. Right. That's the thing. And, and so I've played that scenario in my mind all the time because it's like there are people on death row that just made the wrong move in a room. And I've watched a lot of Law & Order. Mm-hmm. Not recently, no. but back in the day <clears throat> when that was socially acceptable. So I feel like whatever legal consequences, well, there wouldn't be any. The legal mm-hmm. consequences would be that he would you know, also be culpable for fight starting He'd we should, we should just fees. start listening to see if he has a podcast where he talks about it right you never well, know. a lot of people have podcasts john that's the that's one of the advantages of not being that famous if i i mean if i were eddie vetter my bodyguards would have just beat the guy up um but if you're like somewhere in between there like who's who is not as famous as eddie vetter and more famous than me who, who conceivably, like Jack White is a perfect example. There's a guy oh, who actually sure. did get into a famous fist fight with a guy. With right, he was, produce, he was like producing the guy's record, right? Yeah, and that guy put that picture of himself all black and blue from Jack White. That picture was everywhere for six months. Ugh. I mean, he used it to promote his record, the Von Bondies. Oh, the Von Bondies, of course. And, uh, you know, and I was like, boy, if Jack White beat me up at a at a party, I sure as shit wouldn't put the picture of myself all over the place. But I guess if that's what you need to pr- promote your band, would you ask for but, a rematch? Um, I don't know. He it, Jack White did some pretty 
pretty bad damage. I think he's pretty he's a pretty big guy. But Jack White or uh, or uh, who's the bald guy from the Smashing Pumpkins? Oh, uh, Jimmy Corrigan. Yeah, Jimmy Corrigan, the world's smartest boy. Yeah. Uh, either one of those guys, I could see them getting into a bar fight or into a fight at a festival with some with a couple of drunks. Sure. And I imagine there'd be a lot more videotape of it. Yeah. If Jack White was boxing some kid. I I hope your finger's okay. I, I you know, I don't like to give you medical advice, but you, you might want to get that looked at before it goes too long. You're saying that I should go to a doctor? I'm saying it's probably too late, but, uh, but you know, you need that for your work. You need that for writing. You need that for a guitar. An American <clears throat> doctor, you're saying I should go see. You mean like a licensed doctor? <laughs> you could a licensed go to, doctor. I don't know. That's a good a question. A professional doctor uh, who's going to say, let's get that x-ray. All right. Fill out these forms with your broken yeah. finger. And then he's going to say, oh, it, it's been a week already and it's already uh, flanged. Take these chopsticks. Yeah, <laughs> you, you should uh, you should use. I'm going to give you a prescription for some unnecessary pain medicine that you won't take. That you won't take, and that's going to sit and be a be an attractive nuisance to house burglars. <laughs> you and, might, that might attract Skeeter. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then you're going to, uh, and then you. I want you to wear this seven hundred dollar chopsticks. <laughs> Maybe physical therapy. Would you enjoy that? You go, you go someplace with, with old people and large rubber bands? I can do that myself. You know, my mom broke her foot one time, in the, and uh, she walked like eight miles to the doctor, and the doctor was like, there's no way you could walk here eight miles if you had a broken foot. So she punched him. 